today, Dr. Dale Lemke as our speaker. He is the department chair of Christian Ministries, associate professor of Christian Ministries, the program director for the Master of Divinity program, and the program director for Master of Arts in Ministry Leadership. Prior to teaching at Northwestern, Dr. Lemke was assistant professor of Ministry Leadership at Crown College. He taught English as a second language at Ball State University and was also an adjunct instructor at Nye College. He has done missionary work in Japan through the Christian and Missionary Alliance, and he's married to his beautiful wife, Heidi, and who happens to be an alum here from Northwestern. They adopted their two girls, Mia and Sela, while living in Japan. Pete hobbies include reading, watching movies, cooking, gardening, water, traveling, playing card games, and probably most importantly, hanging out with his wife and his girls. Would you join me in giving a warm welcome this Wednesday to Dr. Dan? in my own life, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a moment, but probably one of the biggest hardships that I've faced is actually moving to Minnesota. And you know, I'm from Nebraska. I've lived in Japan, I've lived in Pennsylvania, Indiana, New York, and we have snow in these places. But we don't have snow like Minnesota. Like, this is March, right? Can we just get rid of this, this stuff? Actually, my, my first year, I moved to Minnesota like 12 years ago, 
And uh, um, that first year, my wife and I were here. We went all the way through the winter. I got to the end of the winter. I told my wife, I'm like, I think I'm going to need to get a snowblower. And she was like, really? Like $500 for a snowblower? Are you kidding me? Like, what's wrong with you? Can't you just shovel it? And I'm like, no, no. Like, if we're going to stay here in Minnesota, I'm going to need a snowblower. Um, and then I got to graduation. I was working at a college at that time. I got to graduation. And the pond was, like, still frozen over. I was like, where have we moved? Why are we here? We both were like, what do we do? So we're here 12 years later. My daughters have grown up in Minnesota. They absolutely love it, right? They love the winter. They love the snow. They love all that stuff. So I'm probably stuck here for the rest of my life. But, you know, that's how it goes. God turns hardships into something good, I guess. Um, no, really, uh, that, that probably isn't one of my life hardships. But um, there was a big hardship that I faced my mom thinks it more than I thinks, I would say. Um, but we just moved uh, to Japan as missionaries. We were literally there for three months. And I got a phone call from her sister uh, to let me know that my mom had stage four uh, cervical cancer. And immediately, I mean, we're shocked. We're in Japan. We've just been there. What do we do? So I start screwing around looking. My sister said, you probably should need to get home. The doctors are saying, you know, she doesn't have long to live. Um, so I'm able to, like, find, God provides this ticket for me to get home for a week. Uh, and I'm able to go home, be with my mom, go with her to her first radiation treatment, her first chemo treatment. Um, I'm able to help my dad get her moved back into the home so that they can kind of get set for this next journey of life. And then I leave to travel halfway around the world, the other side of, of the um, globe, separated from my mom, thinking that probably the next time I come home is going to be for a funeral. And it's probably not going to be uh, that far away. I'm wondering, what are your hardships today? What are the emotional things that you're carrying into this auditorium today? What are the relational burdens? Maybe there are things in your family, with your friends. What is it that you need to bring to Jesus today? Maybe you have a family member facing sickness. Maybe you're paralyzed by anxiety that wells up from within you. Lord, we are needy. You are burdened. Lord, we are weak. You are strong. We are limited, but you are all-caring and all-powerful. We thank you that you care about our needs. Thank you for drawing near to us in our hardship. If I'm honest with you, I've been facing a hardship in my body for the last couple of months. Even today here, like, I don't want to hold this podium, uh, but I have had a kind of thing with vertigo that's been, like, really bothering me. I'm a little, actually a little nervous about the pit right here. Like, I might fall down in there. I hate to speak, like, holding this thing. Um, but I am weak, and I'm needy. And the, the mystery of God's work is that he transforms us through hardship. I can get back to my mom's story. Of course, she pursued medical treatments and 
like chemotherapy and, and radiation and all of that. But what, what I noticed is that my mom had to lean on others. She leaned on my dad to take care of her, to feed her, to get her ready, to meet her daily needs, and she leaned on God. God raised up an army of people in Japan and in the United States to pray for her, to pray for her healing. But the most fascinating thing about her whole experience was that I saw her grow in her intimacy with God through this time because that's what she had. She had to sit there and be before God and pray to God and reach out to, to, to Him. And during that time, I felt a call to pray for my mom, to desperately cry out to Him that He would intervene on her behalf. And so I felt this call to, even though I was halfway around the world, um, to call her daily. For about a year, we would pray together on the phone, pleading to God on her behalf and drawing near to God. And during that time, we used Skype, which I don't even know if you know what Skype is anymore. But in that day, we didn't have Wi-Fi, like calling like we do today, so we had Skype. And we Skyped almost every day to pray together. And the beautiful thing is I drew closer to God and I drew closer to my mom as well. You see, God delights to transform our burdens and our heartaches and our hardship into something that will draw us closer to Him. One of the things that I've been researching, um, kind of as a, a researcher, I guess, uh, is this notion of vocation and calming. And I wanted to try to understand, how is it that people can really thrive in their calling? When I, when I talk about calling here, I don't mean this kind of idea that God has some hidden blueprint for your life and, and the challenge for you is to try to figure out what that blueprint is. When, what I mean is that God is a God who delights to invite you to listen to Him and to follow Him step by step in your life. Following your calling is really about understanding how has God made you and then what is the next step He's guiding you to take. So what I did is I set out to interview these mid-career missionaries. I interviewed 35 mid-career missionaries who uh, were really thriving in their calling. So I wanted to hear, what, what does it look like to thrive in your calling? They told me all these things. And at the core of it was this idea that calling is really about relating well to God. It's about developing a friendship with God, where we hear from Him and we respond to Him. And then they had this very interesting topic that they talked about in that God used hardships in their lives to clarify their calling. I was like, oh, this seems weird. How does that work? And I listened to them, and they talked about challenges with their teammates. They talked about unexpected things, like the educational needs of their children when they went to a country and their children had a need, and the educational providers in that place couldn't meet that need, and they had to understand, what is God doing here? How do I respond to this? What do I do with this? Sometimes they went to a country, and they thought they were going to serve there their whole lives, but the political situation blew up on them, and they had to leave. And somehow, in the midst of those challenges and those hardships, God came alongside them. He carried their burdens with them, and he pointed them in a direction that clarified what God wanted to do in their lives. You see, 
God uses hardships to clarify his callings in our life and to strengthen us in our faith. And as I thought about this, I thought a lot about Jesus. And boy, these songs were amazing. Jesus, as he went to the cross. Have you, have you thought much about this incredible burden that Jesus faced in this last week of his life here on earth? I keep thinking, you know, here in evangelical circles, sometimes uh, we, we kind of race past the cross to the, re the resurrection. And for good reason, right? I mean, without the resurrection, our, Paul says, you know, our faith is in vain. And so we, we do need to celebrate the resurrection, but we shouldn't race past his hardships, race past the cross. We can't miss out on the hardship, that emotional toil that Jesus faced in that week leading up to the cross. Jesus knew, right? He knew that his destiny, his calling was to go to the cross for you and me. In fact, that, that theme is so dominant in the Gospel of Luke that as early as chapter 9, get this, I mean, this is in chapter 9, verse 51, the whole Gospel of Luke pivots to Jerusalem. It says, as the, time, as the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set his eyes to Jerusalem. He was purposed to take on the suffering because he knew that that's what God's plan was for him. So here we see all the way, chapters 10 through 23 of Luke, the whole thing is about Jesus making his way up to Jerusalem and making his way up onto a cross for us and then ascending up to heaven on our behalf. And when we read John, 40% of the gospel of John is dedicated to the last week of Jesus' life. In John 12, Jesus, he's preparing there to enter Jerusalem. And we read this in verse 27. Now my soul is troubled. Jesus' soul was troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I've come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. That phrase, that Jesus' soul was troubled, sometimes translated, he went into turmoil. It's a strong emotional moment in Jesus' life. He knew that the hour of his death was upon him, and it horrified him. Jesus' last week in this world and the, the hardship that he faced. It's caused me to think more about Jesus even in the Garden of Gethsemane. We think a lot about his last week and those really memorable moments like the triumphal entry, like the Last Supper. We think about Jesus' high priestly prayer. But we sometimes forget that it was a, a week of turmoil. And the garden illustrates for me how, how Jesus was facing the impending death on a cross for us. 
when we read that in, in Luke chapter 2, we, we might be tempted sometimes to focus on the disciples and their sleeping and all of this in this passage, but I want to encourage you to listen to see what, what Jesus is going through in this passage. This is in, in Luke chapter 20, 22, verse 39. And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and he prayed, saying, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And then there appeared some angels from heaven, and they were ministering to him, and they were strengthening him. And Jesus continued in agony, and he prayed more earnestly. And the sweat was turning into blood, and it was flowing down his brows. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples, and he found them. They were sleeping. They were sleeping in sorrow. And he said, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. You see, as Jesus here removed and he withdrew to the Mount of Olives and he, he did that, he knew that his captors were coming. He knew that hardship lay before him. He was in a moment of isolation and sorrow. He took the disciples with him, and Matthew tells us that he even drew a few of them a little bit closer with him. Um, but they were overcome. With the situation, they were overcome with sorrow, Luke tells us. They couldn't even remain awake to pray. So Jesus is there bearing this sorrow and this burden and this heaviness all more or less by himself. He, he pleads to the Father, will you, will, you, will you take this from me? And then these, these angels come and minister to him, and he prays again, and he's praying with, he's praying with such agony that the blood begins to drip from his brow. You see, the, the agony that Jesus was facing going to the cross was real. The emotional turmoil was, was deep. This may, may seem unusual to you, but I want to invite you in these moments to take, take a moment and imagine yourself there with Jesus. Imagine the hardship that he's facing. See him kneeling with the disciples nearby. Imagine his pain and his sorrow. Imagine the pain of his own death. His sorrow over the sin of the world that he's carrying. Jesus suffered for you and me. He suffered to save us. He suffered so that we don't have to carry our hardships alone. The writer of Hebrews says, we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus suffered the emotional and physical hardship of the cross 
And he can sympathize with us in our hardships, in our weaknesses, in the turmoil that we face in our lives. At the start of this message, I ask you to, to invite Jesus to bring to mind a hardship in your own life. I, I ask you to, to invite him um, to take that hardship. I want to invite you to present that hardship to him now. So what I want to do is I want to invite you to take, take a few moments here again and imagine yourself with Jesus. Maybe you want to imagine yourself with him in the garden there. Imagine Jesus was full of emotion, kneeling there in the garden of, of Gethsemane. And I want you to take your hardship to Jesus. Express your feelings about that hardship to Jesus. Imagine how he feels about your hardship. We're going to turn on some music here for a few moments. I just want to invite you to imagine yourself taking your hardships to Jesus, presenting your feelings about those to him. Allow yourself to enter into how does he feel about those hardships? Lord, we know we don't have to journey this alone, Lord. We want to present our needs to you, God. Lord, we present our hardships to you. Lord, we don't want to, we don't want to carry them. challenge us that sometimes we ask why two questions? Uh, why questions too quickly? So we, we jump to the question in our hardships about why is this happening to me? Why do bad things happen to good people? And instead she says we really need to ask more how questions. How does God want to journey with me through this hardship? How can I draw near to God in face of the troubles and the turmoil that I'm facing in my life? You see, the, the truth is that intimacy with God sometimes comes through hardships. These are times when we can see clearly, actually, what God is doing, and we can focus on what God wants to do in our lives. And that was a fascinating thing for me about the study that I did with these new career missionaries. It was just through those hardships that God helped them clarify their calling so that they knew what was to come next. In another study, I, I interviewed a, a number of African-American uh, pastors who were going through challenging times in their communities regarding the social unrest following the murder of George Floyd. They were facing isolation surrounding COVID-19, quarantine, and all of that. And those pastors also described this beautiful principle that somehow those crises were being used by God to clarify their calling. They were being used by God to help them understand that their calling as pastors was to be about proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, but also being about people of justice in the community. That they were to be a church that was not just inside the walls of the church, but 
to be a church that went out into the community to serve the needs of people in the community. You see, sometimes God does this, right? He takes these hard things, our turmoils, our challenges, all of that, and he turns it into something for our good, for our growth, to help us draw near to him and help us know exactly what it is um, he wants to do through us. And that's what we see with Jesus in Gethsemane. It was in this moment of intense suffering and sorrow and loneliness, intense hardship, that Jesus knew he was resolved. It was clear. The Father was calling him to the cross. When we read Luke and how Luke talks about this whole thing, it's interesting because Luke presents Jesus as being in complete control. The whole situation looks like chaos. But Jesus was, Jesus knew what was coming. He was listening to the Father. He was following the Father. And so he invites Judas. Judas, come to me, which you not going to read. And when Peter goes off and cuts the soldier's ear off, Jesus, Jesus stops him and says, what are you doing? Jesus was in tune to what God wanted to do in face of the fact that he was in that space of turmoil and hardship and all of that. His purpose was clarified because he was connected to the Father. Remember that passage we read in John chapter 12 when Jesus said, my soul is troubled. And then he says, my purpose is is for this hour. And he invites the God, Father to glorify himself. So you see, in the, the moment of that emotional turmoil and that hardship, that his resolve to be about the Father's business was there. It was clarified. He knew that he was going to the cross so that he could save you and me, so that he could help us overcome the hardships in our lives. So regarding our hardships, Jesus wants to use them for our transformation. As you draw near to him, he can bring clarity even in the midst of what looks like chaos. We read this principle in James chapter 1. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. You know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, then you'll be perfect and complete. See, James wants you to know that God is working in your life, even when it's hard, even when it's tested. And God delights to turn your troubles into growth. I know we are done here, so I'm going to finish in like one minute. I told you um, about my mom's cancer. I didn't tell you what happened. But God delighted to heal her. But I think what she would tell you is that the story of her journey was not a story about healing. It was a story about connecting with the healer. Because she found that in the midst of her hardship and her trials, there was an opportunity to draw near to God. To grow in intimacy with Him. 
challenge to you today is to present your challenges to the Father, to invite Him, to give you purpose and clarity about what He wants to do through that in your own life. As you leave here today, I'm going to ask that they turn on some kind of light music. And I would invite you just to kind of linger here and pray. Present those things to the Father. Present your hardships and ask Him, how do you want to give me purpose to this in your life? What do you want to do? How are you drawing me closer to yourself through this time?